Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. We will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. It is now time for me to tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. My name is Ida. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, first, I want to welcome all the newcomers. This is a tough group because I have people here who have known me for 40 years and people who are brand new to the program and people who have never met me. So, um, so here we go. I have been a, an abstaining member of Overeaters Anonymous for 45 years. I, my birthday is in April, so I'm getting close to 46. And uh, there's no reason for me to think that I won't make 46 because I own the promises. And uh, here I am. This is how I looked right before I came to OA. I am a 100-pounder, and I've been passing for normal for... 44, almost 45 years. And uh, so just let me let me spend about two minutes telling you about how it was. Because uh, first of all, I'm 75, and I have 18 minutes. Please. You're not going to hear much of anything. You know, you're going to get the highlights, and that's about But uh, I moved over about... Nine years. Until then, I was a drop-dead cute kid, and I have the pictures to prove it. Uh, you know, I have my baptism pictures when I was six months up until, and, and I was, you know, I have all my school pictures, and then I was a teacher. So I have a running record of my weight from kindergarten to when I retired to 55. So uh, I, I was really cute. And then by the time I was in the fifth grade and the disease took over, I was a mess, and you could tell it. You can tell it. But long before my um, uh, my food got out of hand, I was a very strange little girl. Uh, I developed a death wish really early in my life. Um, from about age five on, I was uh, a religious fanatic, and I wanted to die so that I could see God. That is not what a normal seven-year-old thinks about. You know, and a normal sixth grader does not... Uh, welcome chest pains because she thinks she's dying. And that's what I, but that's what I was doing. And uh, I uh, I stayed that way for many years. And by the time I was in high school, what I wanted to do was grow up to be a virgin martyr. And, uh, and I meant it, you know. And uh, <laughs> oh, oh, anyhow, so, you know, I, and I grew up in, a, in an alcoholic compulsive eating home, and uh, my top weight was 240, and I got to that when I was about 18, and uh, I got off of it on diet pills. I did diet pills three times as a teenager, and then when I was a junior in college, news came out about how people were dying of diet pills. And I decided that if I couldn't beat them without diet pills, I was going to stay fat. 
and I, I threw away the diet pills, much to my mother's consternation because she had paid for them. Uh, but I did, and I and I never took another kind of pill or anything to to help me with lose weight. I actually didn't do everything before I got to Overeaters, Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't go to a counselor. I didn't have a psychiatrist. I didn't do uh, anything uh, except go on diets on my own. I did join a group, a weight loss group, a couple times, and it didn't work for me because I had a really crappy attitude going into those groups. I would argue with the lecturer. I would argue with her. And I can remember to this day, I kept, I would go, why? 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 And finally, the woman just said to me, because I said so, and went on and ignored me from then on. And that was the, that was the attitude I had. But uh, that was completely different than the attitude I brought into Overeaters Anonymous, because at age 29, I had had it. I was ready to, um, I was ready to change. So on April 16th, 1975, I phoned Overeaters Anonymous, and no one answered, and there was no answering machine, because it was 1975, folks, and some of you remember 1975, and others don't, you know, but uh, nobody answered. And I got up the next day, and I started to abstain anyhow. Because I had reached a level of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization uh, so badly that I was willing to give up the food, even though my phone call went unanswered. I went to school with a diet lunch. Somebody noticed it, and she said to me, why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous? It was the first time I had ever heard the words out loud, and it was on my first day of abstinence. So, yeah, I like to say that my phone call was answered, um, but it was about 17 hours later, and it was answered in person by another teacher at my school. Four days later, I walked into my first meeting, which was a Sunday night Alhambra, uh, which was a large meeting, uh, used to draw people from three counties, sometimes four. And uh, I dragged myself up those stairs and uh, with a lot of hostility and a lot of weight on my body and four days of abstinence. I didn't get any phone numbers. I did not get a sponsor. I didn't talk to anybody, uh, but I, I sat my ass in that meeting and I abstained. And if anybody was going to drive me out of OA, it would have been the first speaker I heard because she talked about stuff that I didn't even allow myself to think about, like sex, in public. And I'm going, what have I walked into? But, you know, I was so desperate, I didn't care. I didn't care. And I've seen for a week, and I went back, and there was another very strange speaker, and I didn't care. I have stained for a week. And uh, for about five months, that's all I did. I attended one OA meeting a week. I bought the big book, wouldn't read it, and then I uh, lost weight. I lost a lot of weight because I went from binging huge amounts of food to 
being very strictly weighed and measured abstinent overnight. And so I, I, I lost 80 pounds my first eight months, which is a pretty rapid weight loss. And it took me about a year to lose 100 pounds. And uh, I've lost more since then, but all I wanted in this program was to lose 100 pounds. And I got that uh, with great regularity. But five months in, I realized I had to change the way I was living my life. I got very ill one night and couldn't move. I had vomit all over me, couldn't move, and I realized how truly powerless I was. And I had developed a blood infection, and I was sick for a week. But after a couple days, I got my ass in the car, and I drove to a meeting where I had heard that uh, there might be a woman to help me, and I got myself a sponsor. And uh, she told me to call her every day and to write my inventory bed by the big book. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous was all we had at that time. And so I, I did exactly what she said. And she said I had, you know, trying to call her was not good enough. I had to reach her. And this was without an answering machine. But I made sure I did that. And I started changing the way I was living, which is why I came to Overeaters Anonymous to begin with. I walked into my first meeting knowing that I was going to lose my weight, that it would make no difference at all if I didn't change the way I was living. And so through the 12 steps, I changed the way I was living. And um, and here I am today, you know, almost 46 years later. Passing for normal. Um, my first year in program uh, was devoted to the weight loss and and to working the steps. I did after I got my sponsor. I didn't waste one minute. I got right into it. I wrote that inventory because I wanted to make amends, and I started making amends the day after I gave away my inventory because I knew that's where the freedom was going to be. And I was absolutely right. Uh, step nine really set me free. I no longer had to hide from people. You know, I could go anywhere and and hold my head up and not be in terror of who I might run into. So after about a year, I started to get into service. I walked into uh, my intergroup meeting as a representative to uh, from a meeting, and I walked out on the board. And little did I know that was going to begin about a 35-year relationship with intergroups. And I was on the Skivy board for a couple years before I moved to San Pedro, which is in the South Bay intergroup. And uh, when I got here, I walked into an intergroup meeting as a meeting rep, and I walked out as the chairman of the intergroup. And... That's just kind of the way I do things. I've never taken baby steps in this program. I've taken huge leaps, and that's the way it goes. I leapt into, I leapt into abstinence. I leapt into the steps, and then I leapt into service. And I, so I worked with the intergroup. I finally quit doing intergroup stuff in 2013. So I was doing intergroup stuff from 1976 to 2013. Um, I personally now think that's a little excessive, 
but that's my, that's my story, and it's too late for me to change it. It's the only one I got. And uh, I did not, I gave up my last position in the intergroup because my husband was sick. And uh, I also did a lot of work with uh, the region. I started, I did my first re- uh, region convention in 1978, was the first region Jew convention. And the last one I did was in 2009. And I worked on virtually every Southern California except for San Diego Region Convention during that time, which I have to admit one more time is pretty excessive. But it worked. <laughs> but that's where I made my friends, folks. That's where I had my fun in Overeaters Anonymous. I, you know, I say you never know a person until you work on a committee with them. And I got to know some people in program very, very well. And uh, and thanks to my work in the region, I know people from all over the state. And uh, um, and I love that. I, it was never enough for me to be in my little home meeting. And I needed to be a part of OA as a whole. So a meeting and work above the me- meeting level was very important to me. So, you know, I cruised along. I met John when I was uh, two two years into program. Very quickly, uh, um, I had never dated. And even after I uh, got into OA, I still didn't date because I met John. And uh, I really lucked out. I did not have to shop around. I didn't have to experiment. I found the right guy almost immediately when I was ready to have a man in my life. I walked into my school cafeteria on a rainy day to get a cup of coffee. There was nobody else in there except this guy. And I just walked over and I sat down next to him. I said, hi. I thought he was a teacher. He wasn't. Um, Two weeks later, we went out on our first date. Three weeks after that, I took him to his first OA meeting because I needed for him to know what he was getting into. And uh, two years later, we were married, and we were married for 37 years uh, when he died in 2014. He was the best OA husband on the planet. I can say that unequivocally. Um, but um, what I do want to talk about is is fellowship and what happened to me when my husband got sick. In 2012, after years of... Pretty steady stuff. You know, I, people died. My mother died. Other people in my family died. I had um, interesting work. I was involved in my teacher's union, and um, I grew in lots of areas. But in 2012, my husband, uh, my world came apart. Uh, first thing that happened was one of my long-term sponsees became very ill, and um And died. And the last summer that she was alive, we read Beyond Our Wildest Dreams together. She was working her program up until the day she could not talk. And it was my privilege to spend that time with her. Uh, right before she died, she gathered um, some of. She gathered her close friends together, an OA group, and we we went in there and we said our goodbyes. And I, um, 
I when I left, I felt that there was um, there was closure. Um, and so when she didn't die the next day, I thought about going to see her again, and I didn't. And I was telling one of my sponsees that I felt I felt done, I felt at peace, and I was I didn't I wasn't going to go see her again. And my sponsee said, "I'll go in your place." She had never met her. Her name was Violet. She's dead, so I'm going to use her name. Her name was Violet. My sponsee had never met her, but she went to the hospital, and uh, she held her hand, and she talked to her. And then uh, Violet's son was there, and after Violet died, he posted on her Facebook page that she was making new friends up until the day she died. And that is what, for me, that is what the fellowship of OA um, is all about. You know, we hold each other up uh, to our dying days. And... Uh, that same year, my husband was diagnosed with severe dementia, and he had cancer and severe dementia. And uh, I had to I had to quit going to meetings, and uh, I, I had to put my husband first. You know, we say in program that abstinence is the most important thing in our lives without exception. Well, during that period of time, my husband was more important. But that's a ridiculous thing to say because there's no division. Step 12 unifies our life outside of program and our lives inside of program. If I wasn't taking care of my husband, then I wasn't working my program. And I don't believe that I could have abstained through it if I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. My job during his four years, he, uh, from 2012 to 2016, my job was to see him through this. And I knew I knew my purpose to the core. And my program, even though I couldn't go to meetings, got stronger and stronger. I started doing phone meetings. I kept the people that I sponsored, and they were very supportive. And when there was times when I could not do my morning phone calls, I would just take a week off, and nobody went out and ate, nobody binged, nobody told me I was deserting them, nothing, you know, they just stood by me, and during that time, I started to meditate, uh, I was having incredible physical pain, uh, during his illness, I developed uh, pre-diabetic levels of blood sugar, I lost my hair, I lost 10 pounds, and I was already very thin. I didn't have 10 pounds to lose, but I lost them anyhow. And I'm going to stop this because I only have about a minute left. And, uh, you know, and if you would talk to me at the time, I would, you know, I was fine in my head. But my body doesn't lie. <laughs> I, my body doesn't lie. I became very um, accident prone. And, uh, and my, the people in my life watched me. In fact, I was told by them that they watched me. They were they were kept a respectful distance, but they were watching me to make sure everything was right. And uh, 
So I made it through. And I can just tell you right now about why I abstained. What else am I going to do? <laughs> what else am I going to do? Uh, my food during my husband's illness was rock solid. There was never any question about my food. And, uh, I, uh, and I, I developed a daily meditation practice that, that has, that is the core of my program now. And I do secular mindfulness. Uh, there's no God involved, but it is the core of my program. And I'm out of time, 18 minutes, really. And I do have to stop. So I am going to stop there. I just want to tell you that this program works newcomers. I'm telling you, I have seen my worst days. I, I, and uh, this program and the people in it got me through. Thank you.